You're listening to episode 130 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden, and today I'm chatting with author Melanie Dale. You get to be mad, and you can tell God that you're mad. Like, you can tell him that. He can take that. Like, if we're in relationship with a loving God um, who has created us and loves us, it's okay for us to let him know how we're feeling, you know? And, and so for me, that's been so huge in my my walk with him of being completely honest with him about how you're feeling. And so like saying it out loud, sometimes I just have to tell God, like, God, right now I feel jealous. I feel really, I feel angry and I'm jealous and I'm frustrated. And, um, and that has helped me so much in processing a lot of my feelings about the hard stuff in life is just pouring it out to God. You know, sometimes life is just not fair really hard things happen. And Melanie's helping us to deal with the hard things with a bit of humor, to take him to God. Uh, she's sharing on the show today about her own struggles with infertility, endometriosis, depression. She's helping us to uh, express all the emotions, kind of like Lynn and I talked about last week. And she's also sharing how we need to find our grace Bearers, how we can be grace bearers, how we need to count the wins. I think Melanie's super fun. I think her book is hilarious, and I can't wait to share it with you. But before we get to that, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Focus 15 Studies with Katie Orr. Now, y'all know I'm doing this study myself. I am walking through the Everyday Peace study, and I thought I would share a little bit of what I love from the study. If you and I were at a party or we grabbed coffee, I would probably be talking to you about this because it's super easy. It's only four weeks and there's five uh, little studies for each week. So five days every week. Uh, But she goes deep. I have read Philippians 4 and I know the words in those verses. I've memorized uh, that section of scripture before that's reminding us to uh, give God our worries, to pray with thanksgiving, and that he will give us peace to guard our hearts and minds. But when you look up the Greek and you see that that peace, the word guard is like a sentinel to watch over, to look in advance so that those worries can't catch us off guard, so that we can have this peace that passes understanding, so that we can know a God of peace. Uh, It's so good to spend just 15 minutes a day and get kind of a drenching of his living word in your heart, not just like a devotion where you read it and somebody else has studied the Bible, for you to actually have the word of God in front of you and to dissect it through the power of the Holy Spirit yourself. There's power to that. And I love how Katie holds our hands as walks us through that process and trains you that you can approach any piece of scripture on your own and use this same Focus 15 method. So to check out more, go to focused15.com. That's F-O-C-U-S-E-D 15.com. All right, let's get to our interview. Here we go. Hey, Melanie, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I am so thankful for Courtney, our little friend for telling me about your newest book and for connecting us and all of that jazz because you funny you funny and you're fun and you're real and all of you're like the whole package all wrapped up in one little little girl box so (laughs) i'm so thankful to have you on the show and share my listener share you with my listeners but before we get into all that i'd love for you to introduce everyone to your family sure yeah i totally love my family my family's (laughs) awesome 
interested. Yeah. Um, so I've been married to my college sweetheart for, let's see, we just celebrated 16 years mm-hmm. and, and that feels like that makes us old or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I said college sweetheart. Right. <laughs> so it's not that bad. No, no. You're practically 21. It's I feel like we've been together for a million years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have three kids. Okay. And they are from three different continents. That's so, cool um, to say it yeah. like that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So we uh, we have our first child is our son. He's nine. And he is, um, well, he's from my uterus. It's good. That's a good country to be from. Right. Continent. He was born after a five-year battle of with infertility, which mm. was just horrific. Mm-hmm. He took it out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was born after all that. And he and I both barely survived my pregnancy. It was awesome. Oh um, and, and then after that, we adopted our youngest daughter from Ethiopia. And we're actually celebrating, I think, five years home with her this wow. month. Wow. And then um, a couple years ago, we adopted our oldest daughter from Latvia. So wow. she is 11 now. So my kids are 11. She's almost 12 nine and six and she just started middle school so I'm like a middle school mom now I, I I just went to my middle school like coffee back to school like this is what's gonna go down next year I, I can't believe it I mean I know you kind of like jumped right into it but it just that seems I remember those days that's not an easy stage and he said yeah they'll hit bumps in this season I'm like yeah you think <laughs> is that we're calling them bumps we're sure. just calling it a bump and and learning opportunities those are the other yeah. He was so calm that I, I felt at peace. Like, yeah, we can totally do this. We'll just hit those bumps and move on through them. And anyway. Yeah. You know what, though? I am loving so far. I'm like three days into it, okay? It's but amazing. I'm, I'm loving being a middle school parent because I think that I'm not a very good preschool parent. Mm. I, I'm really not great at that. And mm. and so the older my kids get, the more I feel comfortable with them. I don't know. Maybe it's that they start to develop their little sense of humor and they start to like be able to throw some sarcasm back at me and I'm like, oh, oh, this is how we're playing. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. It's more your speed. It's more your speed. Yeah. They're fun. Well, okay. So you mentioned the infertility struggles and your son and you almost not making it through all that. And I know uh, your latest book, you share a a lot of those stories, but just for those listeners who um, that's their, that's part of their story is a struggle with infertility or the whole kid thing has not come easily or it maybe still like a struggle and secondary infertility is a real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about that more. T- walk us through that part of your story. Yeah, it was so hard. Um, and I, I do share a lot about that in my, in my book coming out. It's not fair learning to love the life you didn't choose yeah. mm-hmm. um, because you think, oh, I'm, I'm not going to have any problem and I'm just going to get married and have some kids and it's going to be great. And I found my self in this world of like monthly grieving a loss. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was this like grief loss cycle that happened every single month. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we went through this for almost five years. Um, and it was really challenging. And, you know, a lot of people, they want to be helpful. You feel like your whole like sex life and, and everything about your body is on display because people start to ask you like, mm-hmm. Oh, when are you having kids? And if you open up and say, Oh, we're struggling with some infertility, then everyone has advice. And, right. and you hear a lot of, a lot of things from people who are just trying to be helpful, but they'll say things like, Oh, it's all in God's timing. And I'm like, so you're telling me God doesn't want me to have a baby right now. Right. right. Um, so it can just, it can really be challenging. So it, it took my faith through a loop. It took 
my body threw a loop. Um, relationships. My, mar- my marriage. Yeah. yeah, my relationships. It was a really, really hard time. So yeah, for anyone who's listening who has gone through that or is going through that, I my heart goes out to you. It is really hard. And then after we had our son, we experienced infertility again on the other side of that. And my body was just done. It just didn't happen again. So, and you have, um, a medical diagnosis to go along with. Yes. Yeah. Good times like pain. Endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't really know very much about that. So that's super fun too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is like, it is endometriosis. We don't know why you can't get pregnant with it because some people can, but we do have a name for it. (laughs) And it's super constantly painful for you. Like you feel pain as you were writing the book, you felt pain right now. You feel pain. Yeah, it's my, like, right in my kind of right ovary is just kind of this constant. And it it goes back and forth from, like, really bad to not so bad. But it's pretty much always there, just like a little bugger just letting me know that (laughs) that he's there and he hates me. (laughs) Constant reminder. Constant reminder. And and we talk about – I think through that with just, like, having that chronic pain in my life, just learning to be gentle with myself and that I don't have to – push myself some days. I can just sit with mm-hmm. a heating pad and that is okay. <laughs> and you said that's when you knew your husband was the right guy. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Cause he would like made you Belgian waffles and let you just lay on the couch with your heating yes. pad. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's great. He, um, I mean, he and I, we've been together since college. And so he knew that I had this even before we got married. And so even when we were dating, he was supportive and, you know, and he and I also have a great relationship where he can just be like, all right, get off the couch, you know, but he, um, he's just been super supportive in all of it. And, you know, I think too, when you're going through infertility and in my case, it was because of my body that we weren't able to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. I started, my mind would start to play tricks on me. Like, um, well, gosh, maybe if I just got out of the way, then he could find a nice fertile wife and have all these kids. And mm-hmm. Alex was so supportive of me through that as I was questioning my, um, wholeness as a woman mm-hmm. and my, um, just my role and, and everything that I thought I wanted in life. He was so, um, just encouraging in his love for me and, and, you know, just we're a couple no matter what. And, um, and he was okay. So I really appreciate that about him. I feel like he, our marriage, it, you know, it was difficult in that time, but it also grew in that time. We grew closer together because it felt like we kind of went through the fire together, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, see it with so many couples. It's such a strain. It's, yeah. I mean, the thing that is most, was meant to draw you together in intimacy becomes this hurtful place of, like you said, trigonometry, like yeah. you're feeling the test every it's day. It's like you're yeah. just, doing the same homework again and again and can't get the, the right result. And, yeah. You know, we, the two of us, I think our favorite coping mechanism is humor yeah. and, and laughter. And, and, and my mom always says you have to laugh to keep from crying. And we mm-hmm. did a lot of crying too. And we do a lot of crying, but, but laughter for us has been the thing that gets us through. And so even in the, the daily visits to the hospital and the infertility clinics and the things that we did, we still found a way to laugh through it. And, um, and I mean, cracking ridiculous borderline inappropriate (laughs) jokes just to keep ourselves sane, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that was huge for us just finding the humor in the middle of a really difficult situation. Well, that's your book. I mean, it, (laughs) I can't, I I just, I just can't say enough. So (laughs) I started reading and I'm like, laughing, but then you are like, no, this is serious. No, I'm laughing, but this is serious. (laughs) Like I go, like Heather, you know, you know, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to feel hard things. It's, 
you write it in such a way that I feel seen, like you get it. Um, I think it's ironic that we scheduled this interview after I've had two weeks where four people have died in my life. Oh, um, and an uncle, a friend's dad, who we've been, I've been a very close friend whose dad died after a struggle with cancer, um, a childhood friend who took his life, uh, uh, another gal in our community that passed away after a long battle with cancer. So I just, like, it, hard stuff is happening every day. Mm-hmm. And we can go to that dark place so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like you take a light and shine it on it and say, yep, stinks, not fair, totally, totally awful. And then we can laugh. Yeah. I, and so I don't know, like, how did you get, I mean, maybe God just made you really funny and... I mean, you snorted. I love that. So you're just, you're funny. And this is just like how you've always dealt with things. And your mom, you know, maybe she directed you that way. But like, what got you this place where you could take pain and put humor over it and do that for others? Yeah, I I think... I think God has given us a whole range of emotions Mm. to work with. And that is something that I have learned over the course of the difficult things in our life. And, and, um, and we still to this day are having difficult things that we're struggling with, with just diagnoses for the kids and some things that that we're, we're continuing to go through that, you know, you don't just all of a sudden check a box that says your life is fine now, you know? Mm -hmm. So even after we've gone through infertility and then we've adopted, like we're still continuing to go through things in our parenting and in our, in our journey. And so, um, so I think God has given us this range of emotions, but I think sometimes, especially as believers, we think that we have to kind of stay in one little section of emotions and yeah. just like, be like, well, yeah, as long as you have faith and we'll be okay. But I think, I mean, and when I read like King David in the Psalms and I just see all these emotions coming out and, and just being so naked before the Lord with, with, um, your, your, your vulnerability and your emotions. Um, I think that, um, and in my book, I talk about like, we can talk about anger. We yeah. can talk about being mad. We can talk about being being devastated and crying all of the tears. Absolutely. Um, but then sometimes when when you uncork the bottle of those emotions, laughter is going to come out too. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that I've learned is that we get to laugh at our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we shouldn't just laugh at other people in their pain. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, I'm sure yeah. we've all accidentally, you know, we don't mean to hurt each other, but sometimes you accidentally laugh and, and you yeah. make a joke that, doesn't land and you shouldn't, but, but we absolutely own our own junk and our Mm. own stuff. And so we get to laugh at that. Mm. Um, and so hysterical laughter in the face of just life falling apart has really become such a go-to for me. Um, I think about, um, when one of my grandfathers died and, and I think I sometimes just, I see a situation and I kind of come out of a situation and look at it like a casual observer instead of what's actually happening in my own life, you know? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. he passed away and it was, um, we like drove all night to get to the funeral because he lived out of state and, and, um, got there and we were with all of my relatives. And at a time when it should have been so sad and it was really sad, but I started to notice that like I come from a family of back slappers. And mm. so everybody is like slapping each other's backs. There's just like all this hugging and everyone's <laughs> like, and I started to listen to the sound and it was like, wham, 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 <laughs> wham, wham, wham. And I had to like go to the bathroom to laugh. Like I had to excuse myself to laugh because that's the emotion that came out in the moment. And that is okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get to have that. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I so just being free to release them all and not feel like only some are okay in this scenario. Yes. 
Yeah. You get to be mad and you can tell God that you're mad. Like mm-hmm. you can tell him that he can mm-hmm. take that. Like we're, if we're in relationship with a loving God, um, who has created us and loves us, it's okay for us to let him know how we're feeling, you know? And, and so for me, that's been so huge in my, my walk with him of being completely honest with him about how you're feeling. And so like saying it out loud, sometimes I just have to tell God, like, God, right now I feel jealous. Mm-hmm. I feel really, I feel angry and I'm jealous and I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that has helped me so much in processing a lot of my feelings about the hard stuff in life is just pouring yeah. it out to God. Yeah. And if we don't, uh, I'm, we said earlier with the infertility, uh, it affects your relationships, not just your spouse, but your friends, um, seeing friend after friend get pregnant and wanting to be there for them, feeling like you said that jealousy or feeling it can isolate us if we don't say it. Mm. And we can go to a, a place of depression, yeah, um, and kind of just come unglued, like slowly, one at a, one day at a time. We don't even recognize ourselves. Um, and so, for a girl that's listening, that's in that place, she's she is depressed. Maybe, maybe it's the the child that she uh, that God gave her has uh, special needs and autism and something that that wasn't the ideal that she was expecting. Mm-hmm. What helped you, I know you share in the book, being in that place, what helped you kind of come out of that? Mm-hmm. So definitely falling apart with God is a huge thing and, mm-hmm. and being honest and, and processing that. I think another thing that is huge that I I actually just this morning employed is finding professional help. Yeah. Like I always joke that we do therapy like other families do soccer. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so yes. awesome. definitely like, and, and I went to my therapist this morning and it's funny cause, um, one of my kids who was at therapy, uh, I was taking this child to therapy last week and this, this kid was like, well, mom, I know you're in therapy just because of us. And I said, Oh no, honey, mommy goes to therapy and I get to, I'm, I become a better mommy because I'm in therapy, but also, um, I have my own junk that I'm working through too. We all do. So I'm, you know, trying to model that even to my kids, like therapy is healthy. Um, so definitely that. And then I think also, um, when you're in that difficult place, as I, I call them grace bearers in the book, identify the grace bearers around you, Mm -hmm. the, the safe people in your life. Mm -hmm. I, I think we've, we've all met the people who say what not, you know, what not to say in the situation, the people with kind of the bumper sticker Christianity who want to like, just give you a Bible verse. And, um, and, and when you're grieving something, just, they just kind of hit you like a pile driver and, and make it worse sometimes. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. so, so find those people who can pick up your cues and know when to back off and change the subject Mm -hmm. and, um, people who check on you when you drop off the face of the earth, Mm -hmm. um, and, and people who pray for you, but they don't use prayers to gossip about you. You know, they're, they're the people who, um, are, are good listeners and they, they're not going to be perfect. They're going to screw up, but they're humble and they apologize if that happens. And they just, those people who can kind of lift you up, um, who can give you grace and, and they, they're grace bearers. They give you grace when you're melting down and you might not be handling things perfectly. And, and they understand kind of the underlying circumstances and can be there for you. Um, I think that's so, good for both sides. I think yeah. that's good for us to look for them and for us to be them. Amen. Yeah. And to, that all the things you said, like, let's yeah. just put that on a checklist and try it yeah. out. Try it out. See yes. how it works. Yeah. That's and good. then another thing, another thing that I do, um, I try to do it on a daily basis and I can sometimes notice if I haven't, but, um, counting the wins. And mm. so 
Um, you know, and, and some of that is gratitude. Some of that is just like recognizing the things that have gone right. right. Um, it's, I think I probably tend to be a little bit of a negative person and I, <laughs> you know, no I know what you're talking about for myself. I have no you know, idea. a little yeah. sarcastic, negative, and yeah. I, I find some humor in that, but it can also, sometimes I probably tend towards a little more of a caustic, mm-hmm. you know, I can start to look a little cynical at my life. And so mm-hmm. counting the wins for me has helped me to go, no, we're going to celebrate the things that went right today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, um, sometimes I'm, I'm doing that at night as I'm falling asleep. Sometimes in the morning, I'm like recounting stuff from yesterday or sometimes just during the day when I'm kind of spiraling out, maybe my kids are kind of falling apart. We're spiraling down. I just take a, take a quick breath and go, okay, count the wins. What has happened today that has been a win? That's mm. been a good thing. Um, and, and my husband and I remind each other, even if one of us catches the other person kind of going down a tunnel of despair, yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. count the wins. Okay, what's a win? All right. The pit of despair. Yes, oh, yes. And she quotes Princess Bride. Yeah. That made my day that you started chapter one with Princess Bride. I was like, yes, I love her immediately. We were <laughs> right off the bat. And then Anchorman, I was like, okay, sold. Done. You know, well, Done. so when I decided, when I, I've written two books now, and they, mm-hmm. every chapter in both books starts with a movie quote because I love movies. Fabulous. And I, I've seen so many books that start with like a Bible verse, very inspirational, or like yes. a theologian. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's just so not me. What should I do? Movie quotes. <laughs> Fabulous. It was, I just was like, oh, my heart was just soaring. I loved it. I loved it. And I love all the stories from, people. I don't know if they're all friends of yours or you saw people online, but that is so great. I mean, it's, you do a good job writing. You're not alone in this pain and, um, kind of, I've been there too, Mm -hmm. but then to see like multiple stories, even that sweet 12 year old with cancer, I was like, come on, she could write girl. Yeah. She could write. So I think just us, like you said, being grace bearers, counting Mm -hmm. the wins. And then I, and, and, and sharing those feelings with people so we're not isolated in yeah. it. So helpful. Yep. You are not alone. And, and yeah, the movies. I don't even yeah. know how I got on. The pit of despair. We were talking about the pit of despair. Yeah. <laughs> the pit yep. of despair that you can yep. get out of it with that, you know, those wins. Yeah. I look at it as like, I, I mean, okay, one of my favorite treats is a Cadbury egg around Easter time, you know, yes. um, those ones that have like the gooey center in the middle. Yes. And um, I definitely feel like that is how I want to be when I'm going through something hard. I'm going to have a little bit of a harder shell around me, maybe protective, like I'm kind of mm-hmm. protected a little bit. For instance, when I was in the throes of infertility and it was so hard and it seemed like everyone was pregnant, I had to take a break from church for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And that was me just kind of protecting myself a little bit. I just couldn't get through it. And I felt like I didn't have to ugly cry in front of everyone every single week. Like it just, mm-hmm. I, and it wasn't forever. It was just for a short season um, that I needed to give myself that grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but then on the inside, trying to cultivate that gooey center that you're still soft on the inside. And so for me, that meant um, serving my pregnant friends when I was emotionally able to do that, um, being there for them. Um, and it's not every day. There were some days I just had to skip a baby shower or I had to just, you know, send my apologies and I couldn't make it. But, um, but trying to find those moments where I could just cultivate uh, a heart of service and a, and a heart of, of just softness towards other people so that I didn't become completely cynical. Um, cause it would have been easy to do that. Yeah. That's so good. Oh my goodness. Okay. What else, what else do you have? I just want to like soak up all your Wisdom. That's so good. <laughs> Grace bearers, the winds. What I like, I'm, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about the depression again, like a little okay. bit more because women 
can come to me and they will just say, I'm like really just not feeling it. Like this kid thing every day. You know, I think there's a group of women that have done some significant things in their life prior to motherhood. And in the throes of the everyday, it doesn't feel significant. Yeah. Um, so then there's some depression that comes with that. There's, then there's a natural, just like the hormonal imbalance of the postpartum depression that can happen. Um, I think adoption, people can, the, the joy, the excitement, finally bring that child home. And then the reality of a really hard past that this child endured coming into your home and just the, the melding two lives together is messier mm-hmm. than I think Instagram tells us sometimes. So it so is, it so is. So there's yeah. like a lot of possibilities for depression in motherhood. Um, what, what words do you have for that mom? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've done it. I've done all the things wrong and then I, I hopefully have learned from my mistakes and I'm trying to approach things a little bit differently now. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I feel like I spent most of my twenties just lying on the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, I sunk into deep depression in the middle of infertility. Like things just got worse and worse for me. And I, I withdrew and I was living in a community where it was pretty transient. So it was easy to do that. I didn't have the same people in my life from season to season. And so no one noticed how bad it was for me. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and, and I just got to where I would sit and I would numb out watching TV all day long. Like, and this is before Netflix, there was nothing good on. Right. This was, this, this was, was just, just, wait, yeah, this is like Jerry like, Springer stuff is on random, like random full shows, house. full house. Like, right. But I, I should not be allowed to watch full house when I have an empty, <laughs> that is so stupid. <laughs> what a terrible idea. <laughs> 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 and, yeah. um, and yeah. I really got to the place where the, the pills were piling up mm. in because I was in constant pain. So I kept getting prescriptions written for me and mm-hmm. I started to think about just ending it all, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. on that couch. And so, so that was really a low point for me with the depression mm-hmm. and, um, and God did not leave me there, thankfully. And there was just one day where I just got up off the couch, marched into the bathroom and flushed everything down the toilet and sat back down. I was like, Oh my gosh, I just, I just flushed my backup plan. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm choosing to stay here, even if it's bad, even if I never get what I want. Um, and so that was hard. And then, so that was, that was before I had kids. Um, and I, I think I heard a lot of relationships and I really, re- I, I think my biggest regret is just not having, all of those memories that I could have had in, you know, early in marriage and, and being in my twenties, I was, I just, and, and I don't fault myself for it because you don't really know, sometimes know how depressed you are. You know, it just, yeah. that's just where I was at that time. Yeah. And, um, but I do think now I'm more vigilant knowing that I could get to that place. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I, I do the things that I do of, of, uh, practicing counting the wins and, um, I, you know, making sure that I'm checked into therapy on a regular basis and yeah. that I've got those on the calendar, mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to prioritize my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as moms, it's easy to prioritize our kids yeah. and, and we, we think about everyone else in the family and it actually, um, it was a wake up call for me because a while ago when we were going through things, we got, we got an autism diagnosis for one of our kids. Mm-hmm. We got uh, a mental illness diagnosis for one of our kids. We were dealing with ADHD and a significant trauma and our house, it was like whack-a-mole at our mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had one of my kids therapists look at me and say, mom, 
you need to be seeing your own therapist during this. And it was like, yes, I do. And so I've been really diligent about doing that ever since to make sure that I'm in a healthy place for my kids as we're going through this difficult time in our life. Yeah. It's, you know, so many people reach out and say, well, what, how do you handle discipline or how do you handle like bedtime routine and like, mm-hmm. you know, the everyday issues. But I honestly think some of those things shake out. If yeah. we first dealt with our own souls and our own like broken places so we can be safe, Yeah, you know, to our kids, I think that's like the hard work. And, and unfortunately, probably by the time I'm the safest, my kids are going to be gone. But <laughs> like maybe yeah. when I'm 55, I don't know. I think yeah. that it is this like it churns it up. You mm-hmm. know, we cannot deny it that it's there. Whether you grew up in a perfect home with loving parents, Christian environment or not. I, yeah. I think sometimes the lie is for people who come from a, a broken home. Well, if only if only I'd had the parents, uh-uh. like even with the perfect family and environment, we can get some nasty stuff growing up in there. So yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. all of those are, it's good advice. Um, I do I think try that, to, go ahead. Sorry, okay. No, go ahead. Well, I, I try to cultivate the, the funny, the laughter in our mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. um, as, to combat against being sucked down into depression and, um, and some of the things that are always kind of right in the edges of my brain ready to come in. And so, um, some of the things that I, that I do is I try to ask funny questions. That's like, great. Yeah. Where do you get like, them? Do you just come up with them in your brain? Well, okay. I've done both. Like sometimes I literally just, um, Google like funny questions and I kind of create a list. That's so <laughs> and then, smart. Yeah. And then sometimes I just come up with them. And, um, but so when my kids are home and things are difficult or whatever, um, I'm not just saying like, Hey, how was your day? Or, okay, let's talk about this problem that happened at school. But I'm also asking like, well, what smelled bad today? Well, what funny thing happened on the bus? You know? And so I'm trying to get them to think of their own lives and get a different perspective from just, I had this bad thing happen with a teacher and mm-hmm. I had this problem with a student, you know, mm-hmm. instead to mm-hmm. think about like the other things, you know, um, who had the weirdest lunch, you know, so just things that I'm trying to try to cultivate for them. So they're thinking about, you know, just noticing the ridiculous in their lives and like the fun, quirky things that make life interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and teaching them to even laugh at themselves and that I can laugh at myself. So I try to model laughing at myself. Um, I mean, we stock Ben and Jerry's chocolate therapy ice cream in our freezer because, you know, if we're in yeah. therapy, we should definitely eat chocolate therapy after so therapy. So smart. So smart. So smart. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make it fun. I love that. Yeah. And what, what other fun things? Everyone's got pencils. They're all writing these things. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I like to sometimes just – if you go out, just go out and per- – if you're in the middle of something hard, it's okay to like – take a break, like press pause on the hard thing. Okay. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if it's infertility or you've got something going on at home, you can press pause on that and go out to a, a nice dinner. Um, and pretend like that's not even your life. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Just take a break mm-hmm. and, and have an amazing witty conversation. Or one time I went and got bright red manic panic highlights in my hair by a hairstylist who wasn't even my stylist. I just pretended to just be a different person for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still totally me, but I'm just, I'm not going to see people I know. I'm going to go hang out with a bunch of strangers for an afternoon mm-hmm. and, and hang out in a salon and make small talk with people for fun. And I felt great about myself. And it was just like a little respite. Like my life was waiting for me. I, I wasn't running away from it. I was just taking a break. You can, you can do that. Yeah. I have permission to, 
Yeah. To not feel the hard thing every second. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can go out on date night and take a break or you can take yourself on a date or meet someone, um, for meet someone for coffee and talk about not the thing that's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. or go see a really, really ridiculous movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely in my regular rotation of, of coffee. <laughs> <I think so>. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you, I mean, I think favorites are tricky, but do you have like a top grouping of favorite films that you like? Oh my gosh. That That's is a so really hard. hard question. I know. So hard. I, Listen, I, if I, you could only watch one like the rest of your life. Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Um, gosh. I mean, part of me wants to say Avengers. I just felt like it yeah. was so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to uh, that. There's a I lot. There's humor, to- but then there's like yeah. meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm did. a huge Joss Whedon fan. He created Buffy the Vampire Slayer and okay. he, he directed Avengers. And so I just love, I, it was such a great movie. Got it. Um, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is always a go-to because it's, again, it's funny and it's superheroes and mm-hmm. there's team saving. building. Yeah. There's like yeah. teamwork and team building. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There is. <laughs> I love it. Okay. You're amazing. <laughs> and I also think that people should if they finish, it's not fair, and they want more Melanie Dale, they, you need to check out your other book about female relationships because that I've like, it's one of those that I keep seeing and I'm like, I need to read that, but I haven't. But after reading this one, I'm going to read it. Tell me the title of it again. Okay. So yeah, my first book was Women Are Scary. Yeah. The Totally, the totally Awkward Adventure of Finding Mom Friends. Yes. It has cake pop cannibals on the front. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then we stuck with maimed baked goods. And so it's not fair <laughs> learning to love the life you didn't choose is my new book. And it has a maimed cookie man on the cover. Maimed. Baked. Yes. <laughs> and they're both illustrated. But I will say the second book I illustrated myself. You did a great job. Why? Thank you. Like I doodled pictures of my evil ovaries and there's a unicorn pooping yeah. a rainbow and really important life-changing well, stuff. Like- and it brought back all the memories of MASH, Mash yes. and the cootie catcher. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could identify with a lot of that stuff. <laughs> I remember that. Yes. The choose your own adventure, all of the things, but life does not turn out like we always think it will. I did not think I'd have four boys. I did oh. not. I just didn't. That was not yeah. what I thought. That's awesome. You have to grieve even sometimes that like everyone, people like people struggle with infertility be like, what, why are you complaining, Heather? It's really amazing. You have four boys. And it took me a really long time to c- come to grips with it. And it does, you know, no, it, you can't say, well, that person's pain or my pain. And like, you can't compare pain or right. challenges. But I think, you know, giving each other space to accept the places that they are that didn't turn out the way they thought. Yeah. Is a really important lesson. I think you do well. I'm so glad you said that because yes, one, one important thing that I talk about in the book is this idea of mourning our expectations Mm, because you do, you think your life is going to go one way sometimes, and maybe it's your career, your education or your family, your relationships, Mm. and then it goes a different way and you end up and it does feel some, it feels like, Oh, it's not fair. And, and, and then I think we do each other a disservice because we say, Hey, let's, um, just you're going to be fine. Like people, when I was in the middle of infertility, people would just say, well, why don't you just adopt? Right. And, and I have now adopted twice and I love it. I'm completely in love with adoption and I adore my children. However, 
you have to first mourn the expectations of where you thought your life was going to go. And it's okay to do that. That doesn't take anything away from my daughters for me to mourn the fact that I thought that I was going to get to have babies and experience more pregnancy and all of that. Right. Um, and that actually mourning your expectations then helps you get to a healthy place where you can go. I'm so excited about the life I have. Right. Right. But I, I, yeah, you have to, you have to mourn the expectations first before you can get to the joy part, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's, I've seen it with um, families of kids with special needs that I've worked with. Like, you know, this year you are blessed with a child with Down syndrome, but it doesn't feel like a blessing at first because your expectation was a typically developing child. And so, but then the gifts start coming out, but you have to let that person mourn that. Yes. That's, that's a healthy thing. Right. And each little step along the way. I mean, I think that's wise as friends of anyone going through anything, which is mm-hmm. every day, to be that space um, to let them. Just let yeah. them. It's okay. Yes. It's so good. It's yep. so good. Well, Melanie, where can people find you online if they want to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. My blog is unexpected.org. And if you want to go specifically to the book page for It's Not Fair, um, it, you just backslash it's not fair unexpected.org will get you what you need unexpected mel that's right yep at unexpected for pretty much all of my social media it's at unexpected mel yeah very very good well thank you so much for taking time today to chat with us this was awesome thank you so fun so fun all right go and do those kiddos all right bye Thank you all for listening. I do hope that if you are in a season of depression, that you will reach out to someone, someone. Uh, Professional help is not a sign of weakness. It is a strong thing to say, I can't do this on my own anymore. This has gone far enough. We as moms can isolate ourselves. We need each other. I pray also that if you are around other women who are going through a hard time, if that's not maybe your season, maybe you aren't in a hard season, that you could be that grace bearer. And for any of us who may see the negative instead of the positive, I'd love to start counting the wins and end the day instead of thinking of what went wrong to think of the funny and the good. Uh, I also just really appreciate you guys. I I think I say that every week for listening and for sharing, for subscribing. Uh, So many of you just are so exuberant in your thanks to me. And I am like, don't know what to do with that because this is such a joy to get to share amazing women and mentors and authors with you. So um, I think it's mutual. I think the feeling is mutual. And if you want to connect uh, outside of this podcast, you can find me over at Instagram and Facebook. I have a Facebook page and um, where else? I don't really do the Twitter, but I'm over there at God Centered Mom. And I'd love to chat with you or connect somehow. So find me over there. I hope you all have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17,
the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.